in the night Your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Ooh. <laughs> It's a freaky Friday that is I love these stories. They always run the gamut. We've always got something for every experience is is represented. All the boxes get ticked for whatever might be the thing that you're really interested in. I told you the other night, it was midnight, and I said, I'm just going to read through some stories and get this prepped. An hour and a half later, <laughs> I was riveted. And I was like, you know what? I'm doing all of it. And I've tagged things for next week's too because I I was like, stop reading them. I told you, I was like, I'm going to jump on there and read some. You're like, I've read through tons of them. (laughs) You're like, we got them for the next few weeks. I was like, oh, okay then. All right. They're so interesting because like you said, it's not just paranormal or not just true crime. It's like all sorts of different stuff. And then this week we got a funny one. Oh, yeah funny one so wait for it it i laughed out loud and then i laughed out loud again <laughs> thinking about you reading it so <laughs> well um we got some good ones for you everyone's really enjoying this segment thank you everyone that's contributed your stories if you have one go to sinisterhood.com slash freaky friday and all all submissions are um what's the word i'm looking for considered considered Yes. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, pro tip, better way to get yours in, length. Oh, yeah. We like some length to it. Yes. If it's just a couple sentences, while it might be very interesting and creepy, we got to have a little more detail. So, you, Well, you're, and I know you love, you're, have an inquisitive mind. And so mm-hmm. if there's not enough detail, you're like, I have so many questions. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. Yeah. So give us give us the deets. All right. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. This first one is from Marley. And this is Seniors Predicting Their Deaths. I'm not sure if this exactly fits with Freaky Friday, but it's a phenomena that has fascinated me ever since I started my career. I work in senior living memory care, independent living, skilled nursing, etc., and I am probably the least spiritual person ever. I'm an atheist, and I don't believe in ghosts. Nurses and experienced senior living staff would tell me stories about how some seniors just know when they're going to pass, but I never quite believed it until I saw it firsthand. One experience I had was a resident who was in her late 90s and passed away at the hospital. She didn't have any dementia, and while in the hospital, her closest family member came to visit. After she passed, he told us the story of how when he went to visit her, she told him, Well, I tried to die last week, but I just couldn't fall asleep. He told us how he had sat and chatted with her for a couple of hours before she looked at him and said, Well, I think it's time. I don't want you to be sad. I'm not scared. She asked her nurse for some morphine, closed her eyes, and passed away. Another resident I had took a bad fall down some stairs. 
She had mid to late stage dementia, but after her fall, was more lucid than any of us had ever seen her. She looked at the nurse and told her, I'm going to die next week. Please call my children and tell them to bury me next to my husband. The nurse was experienced in working with seniors and took this seriously and called this resident's family around the country and advised them to come visit while they had the chance. Sure enough, she passed the next week. It's also a well-known phenomenon that some seniors with dementia will see close family members who are deceased in their final weeks. They'll tell us their brother is visiting or their mother is sitting in a chair in the room talking with them. I don't know what this means for my own spirituality and belief in the supernatural, but I find it very reassuring in a way to know that some of the seniors I cared for were able to decide for themselves when they wanted to go. Wow. Yeah, I really I really liked this. Mm-hmm. I I we had to put um one of our dogs to sleep last month and when we were making the decision with the vet, she said something that really stuck with me and that was in veterinary medicine, we have the gift of allowing our loved ones to pass with dignity. Mm-hmm. And to prevent them from suffering anymore or being in pain. Because he, there was not going to be anything that was going to make him better. Mm-hmm. He, his eyeball had ruptured. It was a whole thing. He was very old and sick. So rather than just wait it out, we were able to, like, let him end his suffering. Uh, for me personally, I, you know, I think there's something to be said if we, if we, extended that just beyond our our pets. And so when somebody kind of makes that call for themselves, like I've done what I need to do here. I feel like my time has come to an end. Mm -hmm. So um, while I am still lucid and happy and content, I'm going to peace out. Yeah. I'm going to just go to sleep. Mm -hmm. All all these sounded very peaceful. Mm Mm-hmm. I also appreciate that the nurse that was experienced in working with older adults took it seriously Mm -hmm. because I think you definitely see a lack of respect with patients with dementia that would say something like that or say, oh, my mom's visiting or my brother's visiting and have people roll their eyes and say, yeah, right, they have dementia. They don't know what's going Mm -hmm. on. Rather than recognizing someone still has personhood despite any maladies that they're suffering and saying, I'm going to take this seriously. Mm -hmm. Worst case scenario, she gets a bunch of visitors. Right. But I mean- what happened? Yeah. And for her, at least it sounded like she was like ready and was like, mm-hmm. let everybody know. Um, and there is also something to be said about, like you mentioned, having that feeling of I'm done here. Mm-hmm. I've done what I can do and I'm good to go. Yeah. So uh, that is a fascinating phenomenon, especially the visitors at towards the end. It makes you feel a little bit more, you know, relaxed, like maybe something. It, it's not so bad. There's yeah. some sort of passageway and there's people there to shepherd you. There's a documentary called, I believe it's called How to Die in Oregon, because Oregon is one of the few states that has legalized physician-assisted dying. I haven't been able to watch the documentary. It's been out for years because I'm never in the right headspace to do so. But mm-hmm. I think it's um, there's something really beautiful about that, that especially if you're suffering from a terminal illness and you're like, this just isn't for me anymore. I know that I'm just going to deteriorate. And rather than suffer and have my family watch me suffer, 
I'm going to go out on top. There was a recent memoir about a woman whose husband was diagnosed with early onset dementia, and he made the same choice, and it was a very fascinating the excerpts of her memoir published in the New Yorker. And it was fascinating because it was a dementia related illness that they went to, I believe Switzerland, but there was a window wherein he couldn't be too ill because then you lose the capacity to agree to that Mm. after a certain point. And so it was like a straight, she talked about, and, and he said, I love you and I want you to go on. I want you to write about this and tell people our story. And she discussed how, It was a strange thing to be. He was not so progressed in his illness that he couldn't still recognize her, but he knew that was coming and Mm -hmm. making that choice. It was very fascinating. And of course, heart wrenching. Heartbreaking. Yeah. 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 That's, um, that's interesting. It's on, I don't know. I mean, until you're in it, you don't know, but I hope that she was able to maybe have more closure because when he was lucid, they could still discuss it and kind of have like finality before he passed, as opposed to you just watch them deteriorate and then they can't even recognize you. And then, you know, I mean, that's harder on the people around you, arguably. So it is, um, it's controversial. It's fascinating. It's heartbreaking. There's also something beautiful about it, in my opinion. So thank you, Marley, for sharing that with us. And the book is called In Love, and the author is Amy Bloom. Okay, I'll have to read that. Well, this next one is from Dee Dee, and this is called Chatting During an Execution. Hi, ladies. Love the pod, and as a former DFW resident, it's fun to hear y'all talk about D-Town. My story takes place in Boston during the early 90s, and that city wasn't immune to drug violence, even in the nicer neighborhoods like ours. We lived in a small, overpriced condo in the Brighton section of the city. Our condo was between Boston University and Boston College, so we were used to having lots of noise, especially at night. The apartment building across the street always had a steady stream of people coming and going. Students mainly, but other various characters rented. There were a few families with little kids, but it was mostly singles and couples. Some of them favored sitting on the front stairs, working on their cars in the driveway, and even peeing on their building. Yes, the building was the scourge of the block. Occasionally, I'd see cars pull up to the building, and various people run in and out. One afternoon, a very fancy car pulled up, and two burly men got out and stood by the car. Then a young woman and a young man got out and went into the building. One of the big guys stayed near the front door. They only stayed a few minutes, then left. It was suspicious, even for that dump. Being the city, we didn't know too many people from the other buildings, but I'd managed to meet a young woman from another building across the street, whose toddler was the same age as ours, and we became fast friends. Even though we lived a half a block away from each other, we talked daily on the phone, often speculating about the tenants that lived in the other building. Side note, our sons, who are now 30, are still best friends. One lovely May evening, I was on the phone with my friend from across the street. It was warm enough to have our windows open and enjoy the night air. Our street was very narrow, and noises bounced around a lot. Suddenly I heard what sounded like a rapid string of firecrackers going off, but louder and deeper. I was standing near the front window of our living room, but didn't see anyone on the street. Did you just hear gunshots? My friend asked. I said I had, and we were trying to pinpoint where the noise had originated. She was also looking out her window, 
but there was no one or any cars outside. My husband came into the room, asking if I'd heard the shots. He started to go for the front door, but I told him not to go outside since we didn't know where it came from. I don't remember, but he probably went anyway. My friend and I hung up, and within a minute, our street was jammed with emergency vehicles. We lived a block from the fire station and about half a mile from a large police station. Our part of the street crossed town lines, so there were two different jurisdictions on the scene. I was peeking out the side window, because I'm a scaredy cat and didn't want to be a witness to a shootout. Cops, EMTs, and firemen ran into the building directly across the street. Neighbors from that building started to gather in the front. All the commotion woke up our son, so I had to go to his room for a few minutes to settle him down. When I came back to watch the drama, a different fire truck had pulled up, and a fireman with what looked like the biggest pair of wire cutters ran inside the building. Sometime later, three gurneys were carried down the front steps and loaded into two ambulances. The cops stayed for a while. By now, my husband had been outside talking to neighbors. The cops asked him if he had seen anything but he said he'd been inside. The next morning, there were a few TV crews in front of the building. We caught the local news, and there was a story about how three young men had been tied to chairs and each shot in the head at close range. The door had been barricaded from the inside, and the perps had escaped through a back window. It made sense that neither my friend nor I had seen any cars. They were parked on another street. The three young victims were roommates from Jamaica. They mostly kept to themselves, One of our friends in the building recounted how he helped get their car out of a snowdrift the previous winter. He said they were nice and very appreciative because they had never dealt with snow before. There was some interest in the case for a few days, but then it faded. No one was ever arrested, or at least it was never made public that there had been any progress in solving this case. I checked a few years ago, and the case was still unsolved. We now live in a rural area and hear gunshots pretty often. Sometimes I wonder what or who the target is. Wow, that's that's awful to hear that, you know, it just sort of drops like that. It's well, we got a lot of violence in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. We're not going to solve this one or just the resources get allocated somewhere else. Three murders like that. You would think that it was a high priority to get it solved. And sadly, it was not. Yeah, well, especially I don't imagine that's. It's not like uh, something that would go, well, it's not really a danger to the community because it's it's like you just had a triple execution mm-hmm. in a neighborhood where everybody, you know, tons of people are living nearby. It's not just, uh, you know, something that you could explain away like, oh, the victim knew the perpetrator and that's what caused this. That That's now triple murderer at large. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's eerie. I'm I would imagine they did know them. Uh, some Some kind of revenge killing or somebody... There was there was some reason that they were um, they were angry with them. Of course, that's not at all how you should handle that. But yeah, um, anyone that's cool with just uh, taking out three people at once, they need to be off the street. It's one of those things where we've talked about before, where you're just like doing your thing, and right across the street in the same timeline, the worst yeah. thing ever is happening to someone. Yeah. Well, this next one is from Ashley, and it is called, I Might Have Information That Could Solve a Cold Case. Hi, both. I have a story about how I have information that may solve a cold case, but I can't tell anyone. 
I work in mental health and was tasked with a research project that involved a content analysis of historical clinical assessment notes. Now, I'll have to be vague with some details to maintain confidentiality. But one case was of a middle-aged man who was presenting with PTSD-like symptoms after witnessing the death of his friend. He said he, quote, saw the life leave his eyes. He mentioned in the assessment that he was interrogated by police for 24 hours for the murder of this man, but he swore he was innocent. Below the assessment notes is a second note, dated three years after the assessment date, stating that the man had passed away and there would be an inquiry into the circumstances around his death. This is where I may need some legal commentary. What I did next was perhaps unethical, but not necessarily illegal where I live and work. I searched online for the public inquiry report, because I'm nosy and I'm not proud of it. I found a news article from a local paper that outlined the case. Basically, it was an inquiry into whether his death was a suicide or accident. It was ultimately ruled an accident. The article went on to summarize his involvement in the murder investigation from several years prior. Here are the facts reported in that article, according to a statement from police. The friend was murdered sometime in the night. Our man arrived at the friend's house the next morning and found his body. He was the one to call emergency services that morning. Clearly, I read a very different account in his clinical assessment notes. After a little Googling, it seems healthcare confidentiality is to be maintained even after death. In normal circumstances, I can only break confidentiality if someone is in danger. But the crime already happened, so I'm unsure where I stand. This didn't happen in Texas, but if it had, what would be your opinion, Heather? I truly don't think I can say anything, but it feels awful knowing justice will never be served. Such a rock and a hard place when you're faced with confidentiality, whether as a lawyer or a medical provider. I... I would have to, so I work in mental health, that, and was working on a research project, I don't work in mental health, sorry, Ashley, the the author of this piece, mm-hmm. works in mental health, so it depends on what license you hold, and the ethical bounds of what you're stuck doing, or not doing, are going to be dictated by the rules of professional conduct in your industry, if you're not like a licensed clinical social worker, you may have different uh, bounds than somebody that ha- is a medical doctor, psychiatrist, who may have different bounds than someone is a PhD versus, uh, you know, like I said, attorneys have our own set of rules. Ours is the same that unless there's imminent threat of bodily harm that, you know, someone says, I'm going to go and kill this person today, then you can call the police, but you can't really. Uh, break confidentiality outside of that. And the same goes with someone that goes, Any, anyway, lawyer, I also killed somebody five years ago. I can't go, well, I could really solve that cold case. So yeah, you'd have to check with your uh, the rules of professional conduct for your specific industry. Also, it's his medical confidentiality from a practical non-legal perspective you know, who have you harmed because the patient's now passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's, that's what I was going to say. I was, because we talked about this recently, I think it was on a true crime headlines about Robert Durst and how his conviction was, uh, vacated because he died. Mm-hmm. So what would even other than closure possibly for the family of the man that was murdered? Mm-hmm. Nothing 
is going, I mean, one, this the guy who the witnessed the murder or perhaps was involved is dead now. Mm-hmm. But also, like, no charges are going to be pressed. So wouldn't the only thing really be that closure for the family or information? Yeah, I agreed. And it's, you know, you ask yourself, who was harmed and who is going to pursue me for that harm? And the answer is the person's harmed has now passed away. Mm-hmm. Maybe his... Uh, you know, as heirs and assigns would try, but but again, what's the harm? And then the well, uh, I mean, if you weren't involved, yes. even if I was dead, I wouldn't want my name being besmirched, yeah. and all of a sudden, I'm now accused of being a murderer for something that you thought you were speaking in the bounds of a confidential, mm-hmm. uh, you know, counselor patient relationship. I would ask myself, do you think that the police don't have that? The, oh, that's that piece. True. They may have already looked at him as a suspect and decided that he wasn't the one that did it. If you're very concerned, there's probably a cold case unit where that happened. Call and say, I don't have the ability to give you any information, but I'd, you know, maybe be vague and just, Mm -hmm. and the cops may say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We looked at the roommate, you know, we, you know, or we looked at the friend and it wasn't him and whatever. Um, But that way you're not really breaking confidentiality. You're just... You could just say, hey, I uh, wanted yeah. to know what the suspects were in this case. I might have some information, but I can't give it to you for various and sundry reasons. But might make you feel uh, better, too. Like you just, haven't yeah. done nothing if that's eaten at you. Yeah, that's a, that's a rock and a hard place, mm-hmm. though, to be in whenever you work with. I would also look into whatever uh, your specific role is, what duty you have to... Because that that information wasn't given to you, but if you did read it, then that may impute mm. a patient relationship on you. Uh, but I would just look into all that. We have for the state bar, you have like an ethics hotline where it's like a, a you don't get in trouble. Call us and ask us anything, and we just you can just call up and say this is the situation. This is what I'm thinking of doing, and they have a you know an attorney will answer and give you an opinion. So they may have an ethics hotline in your industry and say. The person is dead, so tell me, you know, by passing just the idea of the information onto the police, would that break confidentiality of saying like, hey, police officer, I'm not going to tell you I read this exact thing, but saying, if you look into all suspects, make sure you also ask for, and then the specific report you read, and then you've been sort of vague, but I would ask an ethics hotline for sure. That's a good idea. Yeah, so, or yeah. your supervisor. I mean, mm-hmm. I always try and go up the... uh the old chain of command to whoever the highest is, unless you're the highest. And then you look around and you're like, what do I do? Ruh, roll. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, I hope that helps. And mm-hmm. that is such a feeling when you're burdened with information and nowhere to right? put it. Yes. Well, thank you, Ashley. And now, Heather, what have you got for us? All right. Well, the first one is from Robin and the subject line is stray bullet nearly got us. This took place in your two's backyard. Deep Ellum, just a couple of weeks ago. My 31-week pregnant daughter and I were on our way to Arkansas for a baby shower with her college friends. She had called a friend of hers in Dallas to meet us for lunch if he could. We went to a place that we have actually have eaten at before, a little neighborhood burger place. We ended up sitting out on the deck as it was a warm, sunny day. We were just finishing eating and we were about to get up when we heard pop, 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 pop within about a millisecond. Can't describe exactly, but a swish in a poof of something white went right between us. Another second later, someone yelled, that's a gun. My daughter and I looked at each other like, what the fuck? And then someone yelled, run. We both bent down and went running for the door of the restaurant and flew inside. Everyone was on the floor. Of course, my daughter was extremely upset. 
I was trying to remain calm. One of the employees was just standing there, and I yelled, lock the doors. The employee said something like, we need a key, to which I replied, find the damn key. Thank goodness there was a really nice man who called the police and pretty much kept everybody calm. As it turns out, less than a half a block away, an unhoused man shot another unhoused man and killed him. The stray bullet that went between us ended up apparently hitting the side of the restaurant and had come to rest right behind my chair. Thank goodness my daughter's friend could not meet us because if he had, he would have been sitting in the chair where the bullet went through. From the reports I've been reading, they still have not caught the shooter, but they know who he is. Apparently, someone did see it happen and tried to follow the shooter but lost him. Needless to say, it was the most terrifying event either of us had ever been through, much less with her being very pregnant. We definitely had a guardian angel watching out for us after that day. When it felt safe, I went back outside, gathered our purses, phones, etc., and we got the heck out of Dallas like a bolt of lightning. We were way down the road, and I told my daughter, I have no idea where we are. I'm sure we were both in some amount of shock. Way too close for comfort. I'm try- I've am trying. i been sitting here trying to think, what, what could this have been? <laughs> what neighborhood burger shop I have. I've got two, but I'm not going to put them on blast in case they don't want to know. But I got two in my head that it could have been. Um, that's terrifying. And people forget, or maybe they just don't care, but bullets have to land somewhere. Mm-hmm. The time that I, this was like at the beginning of quarantine, I was in our kitchen. It was about 11 o'clock at night. I hear a boom, boom, which sounds like it was in our garage. I said, what the fuck was that? I, uh, Tommy was in our bedroom, which is across the house, with headphones on, playing a video game. And it was so loud that he heard it and came into the kitchen. And mm-hmm. he was like, what was that? And I said, I have no idea. Cut to the next day. I'm coming back from taking Ella home from school. And I pull into the driveway. And I see in our garage door two bullet holes. Mm-mm. And I then noticed at the top of the garage, the the ceiling of the garage had been damaged. Mm. And then I see that there is a hole on the, the wall from our garage that leads into our kitchen. And I traced that hole and it the bullet was lodged in behind the uh, cabinet in our laundry room. You could see that it had almost come out, like the plaster mm-hmm. was like splintered, but the, you couldn't get the bullet. So that happened. Someone just randomly was shooting and those bullets almost uh the, could have easily come through our house and i mean i was in the kitchen yeah which is right by the laundry room had i been doing laundry i mean luckily it didn't come all the way through had i been in the garage which i forgot i had been 5 minutes before i was getting something out of the garage but that's fucking crazy that i could have just been in my garage doing nothing and died yeah or if they, uh, the people shooting had just so happened to be like 10 feet closer or five mm-hmm. feet closer. And then that gives the trajectory of the mm-hmm. bullet to, to go through while you're in the laundry room. It's it's such a uh, domino effect with stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like you said, what goes up must come down. That's what drives me bananas during 4th of July, New Year's Eve, whatever. Oh, God. People set off your fireworks, whatever. That's irritating. Please don't burn anything down. But people just straight up shoot their mm-hmm. guns in the air like Especially Yosemite Sam. 
And I'm like, that's got to go somewhere. Where do you think and that's landing, idiots? It just somebody's doesn't, roof? just doesn't keep going up and, and rest in a cloud. No, it's not like the balloon that you set free that floats away. <laughs> also, you know, don't do that because down. it falls into rivers and oceans and kills our sea life. Yeah, don't do that. But it is it does make you think like, man, if our friend had been there, mm-hmm. if the friend had been there, he would have hopefully Sliding lived. Door moment. But yeah, moments like that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Robin. Sorry your time in Deep Ellum was not No, right? Pleasant. And especially pregnant one to move that fast when you're 31 weeks pregnant bless you and then have to get on the ground plus you're hormonal and then you're just like you're not just worried about something happening to you but the baby i mean i'm glad the stress levels yeah right i'm glad everything i'm glad no one was well somebody was hurt they were killed uh i'm glad that you robin and your daughter weren't hurt and but i don't know this this would have been a couple months ago now so Hopefully they've caught the guy by this point. Hope so. Uh, The next one is from Michelle, and the subject line is Grandpa Watches Over and Friend Steps In to Help. Hi, my name is Michelle. I was 12 when I visited with my grandfather one afternoon, and on the way home, I fell asleep and dreamt that someone I knew died and woke up crying but never knew who the person was. Later that night, my grandfather, who I had visited that day, had a massive heart attack, and died in the middle of a conversation with my grandmother on the couch in their home. After a month of his passing, I started waking up in the middle of the night to find a young man smiling at me. He would be leaned over directly in my face, so of course I would scream at the top of my lungs and throw my hands in the air, and my parents would come running in only to tell me I was dreaming. Parents just don't understand. Well, after moving out with my fiancé, now husband of 24 years, this August 2021, this young, smiling man decided to follow me to every place we ever moved to. I got used to it and figured it was just my grandfather keeping watch over me. In 2010, we had to move in with my parents due to life, which clearly sucks at times, who are now living in my grandfather's house. And I stopped seeing the young man. But wait, it gets much better. I started seeing a little boy and a large, dark figure with no face. I woke up one night to find the little boy watching over my husband and I. He turned and shushed me and then disappeared. I was in the kitchen one day with my husband and son laughing hysterically and saw the little boy run out of the living room and down the hall and burst into tears, with my husband and son wondering what the fuck. Months later, while looking through an old photo album of my dad's, I came across the little boy It was a picture of my grandfather as a child, so at least now I know who he was. In 2013, we lost a very close friend of ours, Jonathan. He was young and full of life and made us all laugh. About a week after his funeral, I woke up one night to find the large, dark figure standing over me, and out of the closet, from behind the figure, was Jonathan in his Halloween YMCA biker costume. He stepped forward and wrapped his arm around the dark figure and looked at me and said, I'll take care of this. You'll never have to worry about him again. And disappeared into the closet. And that was the last time I've seen anything. We moved out and bought a house soon after this. And I've never seen my grandfather again. We bought my husband's childhood home. And now we see my husband's father who passed away. But he's usually just dancing in the kitchen or chasing our cat and dog who love it. What's this dark figure? I lo- thank you, Jonathan, for mm-hmm. taking care of the dark figure. But it's yeah, the dark figure had been around for a while. I it's interesting that the grandfather 
if it was the grandfather um, that would be in her face when she woke up, I mean, that's kind of, even if it's a loved one, if I open my eyes and they're, I need some space. Just a little bit of space. Yeah, I need some personal space. A little bit of room. This, um, on a lighter note, I feel like I can relate to how she woke up and just started flailing her arms because on the way back from Austin, I fell asleep. Uh-oh. Leanne was in the back seat. Tommy was driving. I'm asleep. Out of nowhere, I just hear Tommy. He had like turned around to talk to Leanne, so his face was kind of closer to my head. And he goes, "Am I dropping you off at Heather's?" And I, it was like I just that go, woke you up? I go, Wah! and I woke up and like started flailing my arms. <laughs> and I go, no. "You scared the shit out of me." And he goes. I'm sorry. Like, I was like, I was surprised neither one of them were just dying laughing. But I, they may have been like, we can't laugh. She really was scared. <laughs> scared it was just like, you're totally asleep. And then oh, yeah. someone just talks really loud. Even oh, if yeah. you're not asleep and that happens. And your guard is just kind of down. Like when you'd be in class and it'd be dead silent and people are just like taking a test. And then someone from the back is like. Drops My thing. pencil broke. And you're like, God damn it. <laughs> Everyone yeah. just dies. Yeah. I, I told you the alarm went off the other day. And I was like, dead asleep. I'd woken up at 6 a.m. to let the dogs out. I don't know. They woke me up. And then went back to sleep. and was dead asleep. And it was like the, it wasn't like the alarm, like somebody broke in. It was just like it, the battery died or mm-hmm. whatever. But I was like, uh, uh, it's happening. <laughs> I was like, uh, and, and then you try to go back to sleep and your heart's like, bonk, yeah. bonk, bonk. I mean, you're not going back to sleep Mm-mm. after that. I yeah. mean, I did. I had taken a melatonin. <laughs> gummy you're out before yeah so i was like i can go back to sleep but i know that feeling though where you're so asleep and especially to have something Mm-mm. above your face i don't I, like yeah, that. yeah i watched this horror film which i will recommend to everybody called the night house and there's a lot of it means a scary movie so i'm not like ruining anything but there's the different scares like that that mm-hmm. then of course i did not sleep the next uh, that scares, night. yeah um but that type of you know when you're asleep or disturbing disruption of silence it's effective. It's effective it from is, a scary yeah. movie perspective. Uh, Grandpa, I would say, like you said, back up a little bit. Love you. <laughs> Glad to have you. Thank you for Just watching back it over up me. A bit. Yeah, Just like six, eight, ten inches, a mm-hmm. little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's. I love that idea of you have somebody that's like we said with the older adults, you, your brother, your mom, somebody's coming to like shepherd you. Mm-hmm. That Jonathan was a kind and caring friend that was somehow in the spiritual realm awakened to the fact that somebody needed to come get this. And he was like, <laughs> first of all, living my best life in my YMCA biker mm-hmm. costume. And second of all, I got you. Yeah. Let me take care of it. They so, say that you. ghosts present the way they want to be remembered. And what better way to be remembered than in a YMCA biker costume? I Make it, it a party even in the afterlife, you know? Forever. Well, thank you, Michelle. And our last one today is from Stacy. And the subject line is extraterrestrial facial. Also a sci-fi porn. (laughs) It's on Cinemax (laughs) at 1 a.m. Yep. I was just getting a skin treatment and had a strange experience you all may appreciate. My esthetician is a sweet, gentle woman, maybe in her 60s or 70s. She gives this amazing peppermint scalp massage at the end, and I was eager to relax as the skin treatment was an uncomfortable one. She begins the massage and out of nowhere asks, do you believe in aliens? I was taken aback, but obviously responded yes, meaning I believe they exist somewhere because if it's good enough for an astrophysicist, it's good enough for me. 
As casually as she would recommend a skincare product, she went on to tell me how she has been researching them. She tells me that aliens are all around and are sometimes gray people, sometimes a giant praying mantis, and sometimes lizards. Apparently, their offspring are dying in their teens, so they're abducting humans to harvest their eggs and sperm to make an alien-human hybrid. She said that abductions start when we're kids so they can study our emotions because they no longer have any. She even suggested that they are watching how I interact with my son so they can learn to nurture their young. They are of no threat to us and just want to help their species and save humans from destroying ourselves. Then, without missing a beat, she says, Okay, let's schedule your next appointment. As if the conversation never happened. What the fuck just happened? Anyway, love you ladies. Thanks again for all the laughs. I look forward to seeing you in Denver again. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I think it's going to rain on Tuesday. You got to leave. Let's just. <laughs> you're trapped because you, one, you're like, uh, what is happening? But also, damn, this scalp massage feels good. I love getting my head rubbed. And if you just had like an uncomfortable skin treatment. You've been looking forward to that the whole time. It's like little cherry on top. You got peppermint oil. Yeah. And you're like, oh, God, <laughs> how can I relax <laughs> when knowing that aliens are watching how I interact with my son? I would also argue that if in her research she has discovered that they are harvesting our eggs and sperm to make an alien-human hybrid, then there's of some harm to us. Like, so I don't want to be abducted and have those things taken from me. Jerked off. That's <laughs> take you into the Jerked spaceship. off is different than eggs harvested. And That's a very internal thing you got to do. That is a more involved process. Uh, but the abduction of kids, that would explain one of our previous Freaky Friday stories where the woman was five years old and asleep and the gray alien was in the window mm -hmm. and scared her and then decided to leave. I think they at least knew the emotion enough that she was scared and they didn't want to take her. Maybe. But they but, said they don't have emotions. So yeah. they're trying know. to study ours. So they see her screaming. They're like, what? Like a sociopath. What is this reaction? They don't know how to act. So they just act how others act in situations. They're just mirroring, uh, which is awful. Because if you scream at the alien, they scream at yeah, you. It's, it's an awful. awful cycle. So Man. If, I guess what we've learned is if you see an alien, be real nice. Because then they'll be real nice back to you. Yes, definitely. But also say, you know what? I'd like to not have my stuff messed with. Please don't scoop anything from I don't want to be um, anyone's mother unless I've consented to that. Unless you're interested in being a uh, a, a mom to a half alien. An alien-human hybrid. Mm -hmm. Sign up. Uh, also, I appreciate their attempt to save us from destroying ourselves. That's helpful. Yeah. And nice. Yeah. Um, we all love to live. Let's, I'm, just, I'm not going to, I don't want to criticize the aliens, but do a better job. Because we're uh, we're not killing it out here right now with not Trucking destroying ourselves toward the finish line out here. <laughs> well, what a story! That's man. You know what? Do you go back? Do yeah, you ever 100%. make another point? You do? Okay, yeah, I'd have to. All right. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> and be like, so what new research have you? Yeah, that's true. Uh, I might. I personally would have been like into it. Like, mm -hmm. you got time for uh, another treatment, real quick? Because I'd like to continue this conversation. Add it on. I need more info. <laughs> So yeah, I would go back. If you go back and get more info, let yeah, us know. please Keep let us, us know. We definitely need to know. Also, um, <laughs> I guess she's in Denver. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I was like, if this was in Dallas, DM me that that spot. Yeah. 
Do you the info? I'm going so to make an appointment. Uh, what if it's like on Seinfeld, though, where they, the cult of ducks, Mr. Kruger, but not George, like you go to get a scalp massage and you're like, do you believe in aliens? The woman's like, no. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, I know she what? does. She's hiding she it from does. me. Yeah. You're not cool enough. You have to be chosen. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you all so much. These were uh, very interesting, thought-provoking, funny, sad, all of the above. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sending them in. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at SinisterHood.com slash Freaky Friday. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost, so if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Ruling the Airwaves and Getting Into It tier, special shout-out on the show, monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, Wedded Drama, True Crime Headlines, and so much more. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We also hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As and live streams of some of our Patreon bonus content that the Getting Into It tier members can vote on. We host those monthly, and you can ask us all your burning questions last night's. You guys. (laughs) The April Q&A happened to be on April 20th. And it was a we took a poll and things descended into madness. <laughs> uh, two hours and we got kicked off the platform and had to restart the session. It <laughs> was wild. Um, but uh, even if you weren't there live, the archive video version and audio version are available on Patreon for you to listen and just rewind and hear when Christy tells me that she has a crimping iron and I said it was righteous. <laughs> I haven't laughed that hard. For uh, that part and several other parts in a long time. It was was a great time. It was a time. It was. I fell out of my chair. Yeah, you did. (laughs) My pants are slick. I was wearing slick pants. It was a good time. Yeah, I uh, was having a lot of issues with um, wiping my glasses. (laughs) Yeah, there was a mishap with the. You're using the wrong material. I was. Yeah, Tommy had to help me. It was. Whoopsie. It was a time. But yeah, go and watch and listen. And it is. it's there forever. It was recorded. Yeah. No take backs. <laughs> no, no take backs. Yeah. Uh, for our patrons not in the U.S., you have the option of paying pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available, and those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit SinisterHood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. And so many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. And if you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on shop in the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. 
You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and link us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. You can also follow us on TikTok and YouTube. Christy, where are you on the computer? I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and I am on TikTok and Twitter at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I am on Twitter at MCK versus the world and I'm on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy.